Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. This is how it works. You get close to game time, you get close to the, the time that show is going to start. Empty seats, they don't want that to happen. So what they do, they discount those things up to 60% off game time, gives you access to those, helps you get in the building on the cheap. Big deal after all that holiday shopping, you want to save money wherever you can, but you don't want to stay home either. So you got to figure out how to do that. Game time does it. You get the two tap system, one tap, two taps. You're there. You've got your tickets. You're ready to go. And now game time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you do. You download the game time app in the Google play or the Apple app store, and you go to the, my Tickets section of the app, you create an account. And then under the billing section, you use the redeem code, the athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets with game time. Welcome to a, I mean, it's like the super crossoveriest version. You cannot get a more crossover version of the uh, podcast at The Athletic LA. Um, Brian Kamenetsky here with uh, the Magic Hour on the Forum Club. We've got Brett Dawson from Basketball Reasons and Jovan Buha from the uh, Clip City. So that's everyone. Like all three of them are here. Uh, guys, we're here after the uh, Wednesday night, Christmas night. Lakers lose to the Clippers, or the Clippers beat the Lakers, depending on your point of view. One hundred eleven to one hundred six. It was a different. Well, this was a different run than opening night, and vastly different in, in a lot of ways. Uh, what stuck out to you, Yovan? Start with you. Like, what was stuck out to you about the way this one happened versus what we saw, you know, two months ago, whatever it was. Uh, I, I thought this game overall, the Lakers were probably the better team. Where you could say opening night, like the, you know, the Clippers kind of took control of that game around like the six minute mark of the fourth. And, um, you know, it was kind of around double digits the rest of the way. Whereas tonight I, I did feel like the Lakers kind of should have won this game. Like it, it you know, I, I know we were just kind of talking about it. Right. And you were saying, even if it felt like that, they, they'd be down or it was close or whatever. But like to me, it, you know, there, there was a couple points in this game where it felt like they're about to win by 15. And then the, the Clippers came back. Um, I think the biggest thing that was, I guess, different was, Kyle Kuzma, you know, 25 points off the bench. And I thought he really saved the game in the first quarter uh, where Kawhi just got going. He had 14 in the first quarter. Kyle Kuzma comes in uh, with, with five minutes left and, and goes on this like supernova run where he scores 15 points. And I, I thought that really kind of swung the game in the Lakers favor early. And, and that was a momentum shift where from that point on, uh, really until the end of the game, the Lakers, I felt, were kind of in control of it. So uh, that to me was, you know, how, just having another score out there, another shooter, uh, another guy who could actually create some offense outside of just LeBron. And yeah, Andy. because Brett, I mean, like LeBron was 0 for 7 at the beginning of the game, right. was oddly kind of almost passive, which was a little bit of a reminder of the, of the first one. Yep. But then, you know, this was the coups that the Lakers have been waiting to see for most of the season. After the game, he talked about, well, I feel comfortable, I feel confident. It would just matter now, I guess, if he can do it on a right. nightly basis. Right. To Jovan's point, I mean, I think the thing that's crazy is 
you get more points from Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers do, than the Clippers get from Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams combined. And you lose the game, and that's problematic. I mean, that's and Paul George was five of eighteen. Right, Paul George was just okay. I mean, wasn't wasn't great. Anthony Davis too, just okay. LeBron kind of bad in some stretches, and and just okay in some others. Um, so the, the big difference to me, the thing obviously that jumps out is Kawhi, and we'll talk about Kawhi in a minute. But I, I think that speaks to just how the Clippers feel so complete right now, and they're, they're going to make some changes. Probably they won't be exactly this team, and they might go make. Who knows if the Clippers might go make a big move at some point. The Lakers probably won't make a big move unless there's something buyout-wise that they can do. Everything's going to be on the margins. But but the Clippers feel really complete on the margins to me. The Lakers aren't there at this point. What, that's the biggest thing that people will talk about is, like, the Clippers come back. They're relatively – I mean, I understand that you add two gigantic stars that weren't there last year. But the rest of the team feels like what they were. Like, this is a group that knows each other. The Lakers were supposed to be this team that didn't, but then came together really fast. And now I, I'm not sure any of that – with the Lakers at least, matters anymore. But that question of what they look like at the end of the year is fascinating to me because I don't see how the Lakers make significant improvements unless somebody, like you say, Brett, shows up that we're not expecting. What do the Clippers do? I mean, is this sort of the team that is probably going to run in the playoffs? I I think there's a couple fringe moves they can make. Um, You know, tonight they won the game and looked good, but they'd actually lost three of their last five going into this. And in all three games, they had a lead of 15 points or more. So it was kind of three blown games. Um, so, you know, for the Clippers, I would say they still probably need one more big, um, you know, especially for like a matchup like this. Yeah. Yes. But but looking at, you know, potentially the, the Bucks if they make the finals or the Sixers, like the, the best teams in the league are loaded in the front court, uh, especially size-wise. And, and the Clippers, you know, they love to go with Montrezl Harrell, uh, who kind of had a shaky game tonight, you know, finished with 18 and six, but it felt like that was a little empty in, in my opinion. Um, but he's six foot seven. And if you're not going to play Zubats, um, who, you know, had 11 and eight in just 16 minutes, I, I thought he was the better center tonight uh, bet- between the two. They're just really, you know, uh, fragile there where if one of those guys gets an injury, one of those guys gets in major foul trouble, you're really down to one center. Now you're looking at, Jamichael Green or Patrick Patterson as like your next five, uh, where I think the the Lakers conversely with JaVale, Dwight, uh, AD, like that's as solid as it gets with center rotation, I think. But, but it's almost like I think tonight Doc was doing what the Lakers did with Gobert that first game in U- when Utah came to visit Staples Center where you swap out the starting the lineup for the second half to put, some, uh, you know, with another guard to bring Gobert away from the basket. Yeah. And when Zubats is on the floor – AD can just sort of hang out there or JaVale. You can go big and have JaVale or Dwight out there. The other way, now everybody's moving around. So, I mean, I, I sort of see the the logic behind it. But I, I the, the part about this that fascinates me is, like you said, Brett, like all of this stuff didn't go quite well for the Clippers. They didn't quite go well for the Lakers. But I feel like the Lakers keep losing for basically the same flaws. They did not shoot the ball well. Um, particularly down the stretch. I don't have in front of me how many th- consecutive threes they missed in the fourth, but it was a lot. You know, they, they turned the ball over a little too much in the fourth quarter. They didn't get to the – they only made 16 free throws tonight. They're one of the worst free throw made teams in the league. I, whenever they lose, I don't feel like I'm learning anything about them, Brett, but I always feel like the th- reasons that they lose are a little bit alarming for a team this good. That's true, and it's also you know the ability to kind of pull big guys away has helped other teams. That's that's, that's not entirely a theme, but it's 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 a it's something of a theme with teams that they've lost to. Those also happen to be some of the better teams in the league, and so 
you know, that it follows that they've lost to some of the better teams in the league. You're right tonight. Uh, Frank Vogel talked a lot about fouling too much. They did. The Clippers got to the line a ton and started off slowly, but finished great at the line. Um, and so they got a lot of points that way. And, and Vogel talked about the way that interferes with the Lakers' offensive rhythm. I think there's something to that. Uh, the other thing, I mean, if you look tonight, they lost because of Kawhi. I mean, like, the, 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 I think the Clippers have the more complete supporting cast at this point. I don't think there's any question about that. But they also had the best start tonight. It's been a weird year for Kawhi because like, there are a lot of, you know, criticism of his fourth quarters. And he hasn't, he's been, like, good, but not necessarily spe- – and this is one of those nights where you're looking, oh, oh, right. He is potentially the best player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been tough, and that's where kind of evaluating the Clippers has been so difficult is that not only just Kawhi's load management, injury management, whatever you want to call it, uh, but, you know, Paul George missed the first 11 games. Pat Beverly's been injured. Landry Shamit, uh, Jermichael Green. Like, so they've had kind of, if you look at their top eight, nine guys, they've usually had at least two out for most games this season. So tonight really was the first time they've had you know, not not only their full roster, but really the top eight or nine that you're probably going to play come playoff time. Uh, but but Kawhi, I mean, this was I don't know if this was the best game of the season. It's in that conversation. Uh, but I, I thought it certainly wasn't worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, but I I, I felt like to, to Brett's point, like he was the best player out there, and I thought that ultimately that kind of shifted the game. And um, I, I thought the, the Lakers did something smart, which is putting AD on him because mm-hmm. Kawhi is great in the first half. He, he, he plays at a slow pace. Yep. He's not very explosive or athletic or quick. Um, and using a, you know, AD could stay in front of him and then bother him with his length. Uh, but anytime they were able to draw a switch, KCP, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Kawhi was able to get the shot he wanted or get fouled or find a shooter, you know, if they sent a double at him. So I, I thought Kawhi really controlled the game. And then, on the other end, he defended LeBron. I thought, you know, as well as you can reasonably defend LeBron. Like, I, I agree with Brian that I thought LeBron was a bit passive. Like, I, I tweeted that uh, in, in the first half. It was just kind of odd to me that he was getting these switches with, like, Trez or Zubots or Jermichael Green, Pat Patterson, and he wasn't driving by them. He was just kind of either, you know, swinging the ball or settling for a jumper, and it was kind of like you're much faster and, and like, more athletic than these Well, guys. I mean, the, the, but the first thing you you think about then at that point is is the groin and the injury. And he did yeah, say right. after the game, if, if I saw that right, that um, I'm not, I can't – not to get too far backstage in the Lakers. It's hard for, for people like me to get close enough to hear LeBron talk <laughs> yeah. for reasons we don't necessarily have to get into here. But, like, you know, when he, he said sort of sent him back to where he was five games ago when he – or when he, five night, days ago when he missed – actually, you know, missed the game – it reminds you of how vulnerable the Lakers are if LeBron doesn't play, because when he doesn't play, they really struggle to score. They've not been good at all, and that includes their Anthony Davis minutes without LeBron. They've, yes. been, they've been very poor. Now, defensively, they hold their own okay with that with that group. They've got good defenders. They can play Caruso. They can, you know, depending on how you're swapping out, you got KCP. they got a lot of different guys they can play on the perimeter who are solid defenders. Um but in terms of playmaking, you know, that's one of the big differences in these two teams. Both the Clippers stars, both the, the big two, can get their own stuff. They can create for other people. That's really not Anthony Davis's game. It's not what you ask him to do. He's a cutter. Uh, he's a post-up guy. He's a pick-and-roll guy. Uh, he's pick-and-pop. He does a lot of things offensively, but that is not one of them. He doesn't really put the ball on the floor and create. He can, he can read a double team much better at it than he used to be. But other than that, he's not going to create stuff off the dribble the way those other both of those guys can do. LeBron is really the only guy who can both score 
and do that for the Lakers at any kind of really high level. It was we we did a roundtable this week, you know, heading into to the game on Wednesday, and one of the things that I was really curious about, and kind of the matchup I wanted to see, is what it looked like in the fourth quarter with the Lakers and and their group against really what amounts to a big three in Paul George and Kawhi and Lou Williams, and you know, in some respects. Because I, the thing that makes me is like I don't. At the beginning of the year, I thought, well, the Lakers will be a really great scoring team, but I don't know how well they'll play defense. It's sort of been the opposite, where they struggle to score, and they're very good defensively. But the Clippers are actually the team that have that offensive advantage, at least on paper, because you can add Lou Williams to those other stars. That wasn't necessarily why they won tonight, the the Clippers. But I, I think in that big picture, like when you when you think about what this might look like in a playoff or something like that. It, it, it's strange to me to think about how the Clippers might be just set up better to score despite having, you know, slightly less star power in that regard, you know, name brand than the Lakers are. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I mean, that to me seems almost like, like a real advantage for the Clippers in a way that I would not have thought about before the season played out a little bit tonight. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that because I was just talking about this matchup last week. And I said I thought the difference in the two kind of superstar duos up to this point was that it feels like LeBron and AD can almost get a good shot whenever they want and, and you know, just always have a mismatch because of how physically dominant they are. Um, you know, e- even tonight, if you know, AD, what he finished 8 of 17, but it felt like he easily could have gone like 12 of 17. Like a, a lot of it was just him facing up and missing jumpers. Um, Le- LeBron was 9 to 24. He settled for a lot of jumpers. Maybe if he goes into the paint more, he you know finishes with a better uh, shooting percentage. But uh, the the you know, it was almost like the opposite tonight. Like you know, Paul didn't shoot that well, um, and, and the Lakers really bothered him at the rim. You know, I think AD had a couple blocks on him. Javale had a block on him. Um, he might have even been blocked by someone else. I'm you know, kind of blanking on that. But Kawhi was really the one guy that, um, and I think that's why you know the people that are very high on Kawhi are, are high on him is just. He's got this kind of weird throwback game where he can create his shot. Uh, you know, he takes the shots you don't really want. You know, he takes a lot of mid- contested mid-range jumpers, but he's so good at them that um, you know it, it becomes a high percentage shot in almost any setting. And it's weird to say because, like, you look up and like the economy of motion with Kawhi is stunning. It's like I don't, I don't remember like ninety percent of the things he did in the game, but like you know, sticking threes in people's faces and. And you finish with 35, 12, and 5. He's clearly doing a lot of stuff. Um, it, it just that that part. By the way, can we all agree that Landry Shamit might want to be a little more careful? Maybe. Like when he's they're, got breakaways. They're, they're, just, coming. they're coming. They're coming, <laughs> Landry. They got a lot of guys who can get you. And they'll, they've done it. They are doing it. They, and he's gotten got now twice. Yeah. This is just apparently going to be a feature of every Lakers-Clippers <laughs> game this season. Uh, you know, Yohan, to your point, AD was, uh, what was he, 7 of 11 from 2? And one of those was the bad long two they got. One of those misses was the bad long two they got toward the end of the game. Uh, he and LeBron didn't get great shots every time because they couldn't get one down the stretch. It was really one of the biggest problems with the Lakers. They just could not get a great shot. From that, those guys. But they, right. uh, they missed a t- Danny Green yes. missed open threes. KCP missed an open three. Like, they have to be – somebody's got to be able to make yeah. these shots. And yeah. they, they just – throughout the four-game losing streak – I mean, let's see what they were tonight – 12 of 45, 26%. They've been under 28% over this four-game losing streak. If you're not, if you're not going to shoot threes well and you're not going to get to the free throw line, it, it, it those are the easiest ways to score. Like you're really robbing yourself and you know that this has been the the issue with them 
And I don't know how they fix it. Well, the other thing is, I wonder about this, and, and I don't want to go too far away from talking about both teams and center this too much on the Lakers. So, Jovan, you might talk about this from the perspective of the Clippers uh, guarding it. But it's odd. You know, Pete wrote on the site this week about what Rondo's doing when LeBron isn't in the game. Tonight they played together quite a bit. I don't know exactly the numbers on those minutes. And Frank Vogel talked after the game about wanting to get that extra ball handler. The Clippers have so many guys they can throw at LeBron, and so they can kind of wear him down, and you want another guy to take some of the pressure off. But Rondo didn't really handle the ball all that much in those situations. LeBron had the ball most of the time, if not all the time, he was in in the fourth quarter. And so you're playing Lebr- you're playing Rondo these fourth quarter minutes that I don't know the value of them. If he's not handling the ball, you've got a guy who's not a great spot-up shooter who's basically, even when he has the ball, kind of gives it to LeBron and then goes and stands somewhere. I don't... That, to me, is really hindering what you're doing offensively. And it's not that I think Rondo's, you know, it's not that he doesn't have value to them. I don't understand that value, that value of being on the floor with LeBron. Well, this is, you know, on the parts the Clippers sort of fit together. Everybody kind of understands what they're doing, it seems like, and why they're doing it and why they're on the roster. And the Lakers, it's been this sort of next man, you know, all for one, one for all thing without a lot of structure. And it's worked well to this point. But there is... I think an incredible advantage to what the Clippers have where you can predict kind of night to night what's going to come after, you know, your top three guys. And you know what, in theory, you know, you're going to get from Montrez and and Harkless and and all these in Zubats in the minutes he plays. You know, you you obviously much closer to this. You watch more than than I do. But that structure seems to have a lot of value and gives them an advantage the Lakers don't have. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think that, you know, the the Clippers have had an adjustment period, and I just wrote about that where they talked about, you you know, Lou talked about it, Zubats talked about it, Jermichael Green talked about it, that they went from last season being the kind of scrappy underdog team in in every matchup where, you know, no one expected anything from them. They weren't expected to make the playoffs. Uh, They weren't expected to make the playoffs after trading Tobias Harris, and they kind of you know, overachieved, exceeded expectations, you know, you make the the eight seed, you, you beat the healthy Warriors twice, which no one saw coming. Um, and, you know, the, it's kind of easy to do that when no one expects anything from you. Right. Now Your team you, is all Pat Beverly's. Exactly. <laughs> now you add Kawhi and PG and there's actually expectations and they've kind of had to deal with this. Like we're, you know, half of our team almost views our, you know, themselves as underdogs. Like, Pat Beverly, uh, you know, Lou Williams has been traded multiple times. Montrez Harrell was, you know, Doc has said, was almost out of the league. Like they almost cut Trez once they traded for him from Houston um, and, and kind of on and on down the roster. But they're kind of grappling with this. We're not the underdogs. Well, we're but, the favorites. Right, well, culturally, like the Clippers clearly as a as a team in terms of how they market them, like billboards are up all right. over the city is, you know, you know what it's whatever, street street, right, like they, yeah, whatever, not give in and all that. Over me. Right. Yeah. It's like you know, as if they didn't just sign the, you know, the premier free agent on the market and trade for another yeah. max guy. Who was and, third in the MVP voting last Right. Year, and, so. and aren't owned by a billionaire who's self-funding an arena. Like, like this. Yeah. But, so, but to, to bring it back to your point, I think that it's going to be interesting to see now how things play out because it was easy for people to be in their theoretical roles when they were down a man or two. Um, you know, so when Kawhi's out, like PG and, and Lou step up and, um, you know, when they're all together, Lou kind of takes a step back and kind of on and on down the line, guys have almost stepped in with bigger roles slightly, uh, more playing time, more shots. 
now that everyone's back, like, you know, Doc said it after the game, he, he felt he made a big mistake not playing Jermichael Green more. He only played seven minutes tonight. Mm -hmm. He's been ahead of Patrick Patterson basically all year in the rotation. Uh, but th they liked the Patterson matchup on AD for whatever reason, started him. Uh, but you're going to see now, like, guys aren't going to get the shots that they normally had been getting up to this point. They're not going to get the minutes. Um, you know, like Landry Shamit has been playing 30 plus minutes some nights. He, he only played 19 minutes tonight. So I think for the Clippers, there's still not a finished product in, from that regard where I, I want to see 10 to 15 games from now, if they are still, you know, pretty healthy, how are certain guys handling taking kind of a step back? Because they haven't had to do that at that point. Well, this is so much where winning makes a difference. I, I yeah. talked to McGee about this, JaVale McGee in the locker room after the game. Like, because JaVale is super honest about this stuff when you know he's he'll say you know you're winning 10 in a row everyone shuts up like winning solves all these problems nobody will talk now you lose four in a row you have to guard against this other stuff like the lakers haven't had this yet yeah so no drama but there's also been no reason for drama now you know you lose to portland in portland on saturday right brett yeah. um that that people that happens people lose in portland sure now you've lost five like this stuff can say, you know. One time player of the week, Carmelo Anthony, could go off. You never know. You never know what's going to happen in Portland. Crazy things. Do you think his parents probably have that bumper sticker? My son was the Western Conference player of the week. You know, they're very excited. He's, but yeah, I mean, they, they could, they could, by the way, uh, that's a total uh, off track thing that um, when LeBron won his 62nd, I'm just going to tell a story I didn't get to write because now there's no point in writing it. When he won his 62nd, I think it was, player of the week. I checked with the league to see if they get anything because I wanted to know if LeBron had 62, <laughs> like 62 of something right. like, like little plaques or like certificates or they don't get anything. It's, mm. it's just a pat on the back. So that's a bummer because I would like to have known what they do with those things. But no, they, they could lose to Portland. What's crazy, they lost three games in their first 27. Mm -hmm. They've lost four in their last four. Um, and you're right, JaVale talked about that earlier in the season. Somebody asked about his minutes versus Dwight's minutes. And he said, hey, you're winning. Who You know, nobody's going to complain. Well, now you're not winning. Is somebody going to complain? And the Lakers are, the Lakers are not built as a democracy. You know they've got two guys who are head and shoulders above everybody else, and you get in where you fit in behind those guys, and that's not going to change. But in those marginal areas where you know if you're not playing the kind of minutes you think you should be playing, if you start to lose some games, and then you're a guy who's playing ten, and you're saying, well, why am I not playing twenty if we're going to play this way? It's just little bits of grumbling. It, you know, it robs you of a percent here, two percent there, right. whatever it might be. And we haven't heard it. We haven't heard any of that to this point. It's still only four losses, and as as you know, as Dwight Howard said today, it's it's there. There are four losses right now in December. Nobody's you know they're not hanging their heads. They're not worried about it yet. But you know, if things don't turn around, if they if they the Lakers are a very good team. They're going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be a threat in the playoffs. But if they you know they they don't look like the team they looked like a week and a half ago, and that can get to a little – you can get some discontent. Yeah, I, I, I know I mentioned this before. Like, whenever the, when the Lakers keep losing, they keep losing for reasons that make a lot of sense. Okay. That that's These are the flaws we know about. It would be more alarming if they were losing for like, oh, wow, I had not seen that. You know, the Clippers have lost some games, and they've, they've you know, had stretches. You know, there's, you, know you, you just mentioned, you know, what was it, losing through the sprite. And – you know, are are they losing for the reasons that you would expect, or are there surprising things popping up? Kind of. Um, so they're they're four and five without Kawhi. So <laughs> it has not been a repeat of last season where the Raptors went seventeen and five. Um, I actually went back and looked at a lot of the games that the Raptors uh, rested him in, and it was like the Bulls, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hornets. 
Um, so, and I think he rested like two or three times against those teams. So it was almost like 12 of like the 22 games were against four of the five worst teams in the league. So the, the Raptors were very strategic with their resting of Kawhi. Uh, the Clippers being in the West don't really have that luxury um, where just any given night you could lose to anybody. Um, and, and I think to kind of compound that, they've had other guys out of the lineup. So th- there's been nights, um, you know, th- they've had a couple games where they didn't have like Kawhi, Lou, and then Landry or Pat. And it's like, at that point, you're kind of decimated. Uh, but what, what the lineup data has really shown is like Kawhi is clearly their best player. He's their most impactful player. And while Paul George is still really good, he hasn't had the same kind of on-off impact. Uh, I guess it would be kind of similar to the LeBron AD dynamic. Um, so when, you know, just when Kawhi has been out, they've really struggled. Uh, so I guess if you, if you look at their, you know, record with Kawhi, um, I guess what they're, they're 19 and five. So you, you kind of look at them a little bit differently. And then yeah. with PG, uh, and, and Kawhi, they're 12 and three. So I think for the, the Clippers, it, it is the, you know, the, the big man issue, which has reared itself in. They've had some poor rebounding games where they've given up a lot of offensive rebounds. Like Derek Favors put a 20-20 on them in New Orleans. Uh, it was first 20-20 of his career. <laughs> Shocker. Um, and then the, the, the playmaking. So uh, I actually think that there are some similarities with the, the Clippers and, and Lakers where the Clippers, for as good as Kawhi has been, he's an improved ball handler playmaker. Uh, PG has improved at it as well. Lou has really improved over the last two, three years, has put up you know career-high assist numbers every year uh, as a Clipper. Uh, they still don't have technically a true point guard. Like even Pat Beverly, who's really the point guard of the team, is more of like yeah. a way he's – a, he's a three and D like right. guard, really. Right. Um, so th- that has been an issue, and you saw it tonight. Like they had 16 turnovers. Um, you know, Lou had four. Uh, Kawhi had three. And if you trap the Clippers and really force them to kind of – you know, swing the ball and, and find the open guy, they can sometimes just have these egregious, like unforced errors uh, just because they don't have a point guard. I thought you saw that at times tonight where the, the Lakers were, were, you know, blitzing them, trapping them, really forcing the ball out of Kawhi's hands, out of Lou's hands. And some of the secondary playmakers weren't really able to do that stuff. Um, so that would kind of be it. So I guess, you know, it, it has been like the offensive rebounds and the turnover, or you know, giving up offensive rebounds and, and turnovers. So it sounds like there are some similarities between the two teams. Though obviously, Lakers are the better rebounding team, but um, I think for the Clippers, it, it's mainly just like they have had so much fluctuation with the rotation right. that it, you know it, it's hard to win when you don't have your top six or seven. So I'll, let's finish with this because everybody's still got to actually go do their work. Um, <laughs> Are these the best? Still, the best two teams in the Western Conference. Any doubt that the Lakers and Clippers are the best two teams in the West? Not, not in my mind. I mean, we're admittedly look. You don't want to put too much stock into any one game, including this one, and even this one coupled with the earlier meeting. But we're sitting here talking on a night when the Warriors beat the Rockets and the Pelicans beat the Nuggets, and so there were Pelicans tonight. Yeah. So you know. It, the, the Nuggets. It's my favorite the, Pelican the, the joke. It really is my. It's my. He should be Western Conference Player of the Week. The Nuggets have been playing much better, and I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into them losing one game to the to the not good Pelicans. But yeah, I, I still think there's a separation here. The 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 Lakers, when they were healthy and played the Nuggets, looked like the clearly superior team. Quite the opposite without LeBron. But as we've talked about, they struggle against everybody with LeBron. So of course they were going to do it over the course of 48 minutes against Denver. Um, I think Denver's a really good team. I think Houston's a really good team. I think Utah is like on the verge of maybe figuring out some stuff and getting better. But I don't think anybody approaches. I worry Jordan Clarkson's not going to lead his best life in Salt Lake City. (laughs) But what do you think? Uh, I I agree. I I wrote this in the roundtable that we did that 
Um, you know, heading into tonight, the Lakers and the Clippers were the only two teams in the West that were top 10 in offense and defense, and they're top eight at that. So, um, you know, I, I think to simplify it, like, I don't trust every other kind of West contender on one end of the floor. Like with, with Houston and Dallas, it's the defensive side. With Denver, it's been the offense this year, but I actually don't trust them on the defensive side despite being number two in defensive rating. Uh, and Utah's just kind of been a mess, and we'll, we'll see where they go from here. But, um, I, I mean, I guess if I had to pick, like, the team that could enter that uh, conversation, it would be Houston. Maybe they make a move for another star or another big piece. But um, – I, I still think it's clearly Lakers and Clippers. Yeah, and- I, I will die on Denver Hill if I have to. But at least I agree with you guys. It's, I, I these are the Denver's best really teams. Good. And Denver could do something too. Denver could could make a move that would maybe that would change my mind about Denver. And I still think they've got some stuff. I I, I, I keep harping on this. I did it on the Nuggets podcast last week. I, Jeremy Grant hasn't been as good as I think he's going to be. And I, there's still some stuff for them that I think can come together and make them better. I just still think these two teams are a little bit ahead of everybody, even if – you know, Denver sort of finds – Denver has found itself over the last couple of weeks. If Even if Utah does that, I still think these two teams are – I hope so. Because we're owed nine more – I think Orem tweeted out, like, it's a yeah. shame these teams only get to meet nine more times. Well, of course – Right. Of course, Clippers fans were tweeting back at him. You mean six, right? The Lakers can't beat him. So. Well, that's true. Um, all right, well, we'll see. When's the next one? <laughs> uh, Anybody wow, know? Right? Is it – I want to say it's January. Is it? Late okay. January. And then, then one in April. Or, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that gives us enough time to at least check the schedule to figure out when the next crossover podcast of Clip City Basketball Reasons and the Magic Hour will be, because it's probably going to be after that game. Probably so. All right. Thanks, everybody. 